0: Am I on the right track with this? Uh,
1: yes. I'll give a qualified yes. Um, I mean I th- well, we're done. <laughs> yeah, we're done. <laughs> <server tonight. laughs>
0: Hello and welcome to episode 186 of the Rockstar CMO Epping Marketing Podcast. It's Saturday the 7th of October. I hope you've had a great week and you are well and staying as sane. As you feel you need to be. I'm your host, Ian Trusker I'm no rockstar, but with this podcast, I share the marketing street knowledge I've picked up on my journey from sysadmin to CMO with the help of some true rockstars. My guests and chums, who I hope will inspire the marketing rockstar in you. Come say hello, you can find us at rockstarcmo.com or on the socials. We are Rockstar CMO on X and LinkedIn. This week in the marketing studio, Jeff Clark and I chat about creating your ideal marketing team. And for reasons I shall explain, I dip into the Rockstar CMO Virtual Bar Archive and pull out a related conversation with my chum and content marketing guru, Robert Rose, about the skills of your content marketing team. But first, we need to pay the bar tab. I'll be back in a moment. We'll right back.
1: We're also on the Marketing Podcast Network at marketingpodcast.net. And of course, you can subscribe wherever you get your podcasts.
2: You heard her. Go subscribe.
0: On to our first segment, the Rockstar CMO Studio with Jeff Clark, former Forrester Research Director and our resident Strategy Advisor.
1: And welcome to the studio. It's nice. You haven't been here for a week or so. Okay, we...
0: Yeah. yeah. Oh. Thank you very much for having me. How are you,
1: Jeff? I am doing uh very well. Just coming off of a trip to the windy city and uh settling back into my groove.
0: Yes. Well, um, because well, I have actually spent a lot of time in Chicago, so I shouldn't really do the stereotypical things, but how was the windy city was it mighty pretty
1: (laughs) (laughs) yes and it was not that windy uh fortunately i think actually i was flying in and out so i don't want it to be
0: windy i don't think the cool kids that listen to this 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 show will know a reference to calamity jane anyway would they so (laughs) what am i doing (laughs) all right (laughs) all right so it's nice that you're back from the windy city and and you've welcomed me back into the studio thank you very much now then how was the weather well the weather
1: it was it was was very nice it was you know in in september you can actually have nice weather which in Mm. chicago you know july and december Mm. can be the two extremes (laughs) and uh But came back to a whole bunch of rain here in New England mm. because we had, I think it was Tropical Storm Ophelia. Yep. Came up the coast and dropped a bunch of rain. But uh, we're getting over that.
0: We've been getting the tail end of those. It's like my sister a couple of weeks ago. She suffered from, uh, it was Hurricane Lee that was floating with uh, hitting Bermuda. And uh, I think it missed in the end. But um, <laughs> uh, it was quite funny having a conversation with her because um, my boss's name is lee (laughs) she's like i'm preparing for hurricane lee and i'm like yeah i know that feeling
1: (laughs) you know i have a i have a brother uh my oldest brother's name is bob and Mm -hmm. my other brother and his family and i were meeting with uh, at uh, my mother's house that was on cape Mm -hmm. cod and what would come upon us while we were on cape cod this is couple decades ago, what was Hurricane Bob. <laughs> <It> was like, <laughs> he couldn't make the, he couldn't make the reunion. So we sent his hurricane instead.
0: Yeah. We had a, uh, well, wasn't there a hurricane? There was a hurricane Ian once, I think. Oh um, yeah. That was, that, that actually was quite destructive. Though, it was uh, yeah, just it was like you. <laughs> <laughs> that was a bad one. Uh, I, I, I'm i a, I'm a constructor, not a destructor, whatever. Yes. Anyway, uh, yeah, know, whatever the equivalent of love and not a fighter would be a uh, construction. Anyway. Um, right. Why don't we um, talk about something to do with uh, marketing or something now? Sure. The what the studio, hell? Jeff. Right. <laughs> so back in episode 156, we discussed building a marketing team from a capability perspective. But. We always think about our marketing teams from an org chart perspective. So I know I can't remember what we told the listeners that we were going to talk about this time around or next time you're in the studio. So I wanted to talk about um, how we build our ideal marketing organization. Uh, For example, my team, as you know, I'm the CMO of a company called Spotter Group. Uh, I have, uh, my team is divided into four uh, teams or departments, I guess you would call them Uh, growth and retention. Uh, products and content marketing, marketing ops and comms, although marketing ops and comms actually sit under the same manager because of the way we're structured. What say you, Jeff? Am I on the right track with this?
1: Uh, Yes. I'll give a qualified yes. Um, Splendid. Well, we're done. (laughs) (laughs) That's
0: all I (laughs) want to hear.
1: Well, you know, it is, um, I mean, I think, I think the structure of of a marketing team. I mean, it is important, and 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 I know a lot of CMOs kind of go into any organization kind of with like a, an org chart. This is my ideal. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. And you know, if you're a you know like a really small team to you know like a team the size you've got to a you know gigantic team for a big organization, obviously. The, the bigger you get, the more you can splinter, you know, you can have a separate product marketing cop and mm. content marketing team. You could have a separate marketing ops and an analytics team or, a, uh, you know, or, you know, field marketing could be vastly separated <laughs> by yeah. time and space and skills from your corporate, you know, digital demand center or whatever it is. So, so, you know, I think that, uh, you know every organization is diff is different, and I, and I know that's one of the things when we talked back at the earlier episode we were trying to thinking yeah. how do you build it from a capability standpoint? what are you gonna do or yeah. what what do you need to do? so therefore, what do you need to build in the organization? But I Absolutely. think that the the you know the functional team i mean that's just anytime you benchmark yourself against other or marketing. Organize your other organizations and other marketing teams within those organizations. You know, you you get back to the functional level, so it's really important to have that that perspective. Um, and I think that one of the things I thought, you know, as you teed this up today, was to talk about what well, kind of what are the what are the ways you make sure that you charter these teams uh, so that they can be successful. So, you know, I kind of like thought about the what are the kind of the five keys to success uh and not in any particular order but it, i know you told me cool. they had to be five so you know i could do six
2: <laughs>
1: and four wasn't finally enough. finally you're reading the editorial policy
0: <laughs> but yes so uh so you have uh so i'm gonna say effing aren't i five effing keys to success
1: yeah uh, what's your first one jeff the first one. So this is all from the perspective of the CMO or the head of marketing. So my my mm-hmm. first one is that you should own product solution portfolio, whatever whatever you want to call it. You should own that marketing function because mm-hmm. um, I think the the focus of that is understanding you know the customer needs and how your company and their value proposition serves those needs. And it's just as I've seen I've seen a lot of CMOs uh, kind of struggle with this where, you know, at some point mm. they get product marketing and then somebody from a business unit or a product unit decides that, no, I want my marketing people back or, mm-hmm. or, you know, where you are very structured around product units, business units. And so therefore, you know, they always demand having their own resources. But the thing is that, you know, you really, it's, it's just, This aspect of this uh, capability, this intelligence is so important to everything else that goes on in marketing Mm. that I think, you know, and owning it being direct reporting it is is really important. And certainly if if uh, if it's like that is not an option, then you have to have really tight secondary reporting and understanding with your whatever the business or product units are about how you're going to engage those people in the work that the marketing team is going to do
0: yeah and i think that that the key of that really is and i've had i've seen this done differently in different times of my career is is that that portfolio marketing or product marketing if they own the personas and the audience and you know then the needs and the customer (laughs) then and they're not in marketing then you're you that you know that's 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 the key piece of data, isn't it? That we need to yeah. that we need to drive the rest of the marketing team around. And
1: right? and the other thing is that sometimes and that means that everything all of marketing gets uh, you know basically organized in terms of the activity around like product mm, launches and exactly. and so everything comes from a product perspective as opposed to from the customer perspective. So um, and I think that you know the key attributes. Yeah, you know, we always talk about on this this on this podcast. We always talk about the the need for really good research, you know, research into the customers, mm-hmm. research into mm-hmm. how the products and value proposition meet customer needs. So, mm-hmm. you know, the people you have in here, they got to know how to do that work. Uh, they yeah. got to be strategic, and then they got to know how to take all that input. You know, they're getting they're trying to get all kinds of inputs, talking to salespeople, mm-hmm. talking to customers, and turn that into messages, which is what drives everything else. That we're going to talk about yeah
0: yeah absolutely so that's so that's your number one we need to own product and solution marketing and you won't get any uh pushback from
1: me on that as a former vp of product marketing and product marketer
0: so absolutely (laughs) um what's number two
1: number two and as i said you know these are even though i think the first one is kind of like it feels like a kind of a starting point, but the but mm-hmm. otherwise these are not necessarily in any particular order, but I think it's also really important to have a strong brand team. So you know comms, creative services, social marketing, you know, this is on you know the folk their focus has got to be in the creation and adherence mm-hmm. and governance around the brand itself. So building it, rebranding, you know, giving guidelines, making sure that everyone is is adhering to those guidelines. Um, and this is typically where, I mean, if you go back in my, in my day, you know, mm. this is typically where CMOs were the strongest. I mean, they came up it, perhaps in communications and they knew about PR and AR and blah, 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 uh, yeah. and brand. Um, but I think that's, that's evolving. And so if you get a, uh, a, a CMO who comes more from either product marketing side or from the demand side that, that, uh, it's mm. important to build a strong you know brand team uh and um you know because yeah. they're they're taking the all the information that the solution yeah. product marketing people are creating and they're trying to turn that into things statements that people understand
0: yeah I, th- I think um maybe if we were having this conversation a while ago then this would have been number one wouldn't it i mean this would be entirely yeah. the definition of marketing within an organization would have been about brand and the uh the the crayons what is it the crayons and rainbows department right <laughs> um, but i like but also i think from what i'm gathering there where you're saying build strong brand team you're putting messaging and content into this as well it's not just the visual brand right it's yep. all it's it's all of that stuff right okay so that's that's number one so you've got so sorry number one was your product marketing number two is your strong brand team what's
1: your third is to integrate, you know, there's a uh, the whole area of demand generation. You know, there's corporate mm. digital teams, there's field marketing teams, there's customer marketing teams, you know. So um, mm. there are a number of different dimensions. And again, this a lot of this depends on your go-to-market. But I think it's really important um, to integrate those organizations as much as possible. You know, maybe you put it under the, brand, the banner of revenue marketing uh, which I think you do, or whether there's there's some other term you want to apply to it, but it's just really important that any set of people that are focused on creating demand, engaging customers and prospects that they are working together um, you know particularly, and I think there was a number of episodes where we talked about you know building success in field marketing um, and one of those key elements was making sure that you know a corporate function digital team or even our global campaign team and and the field teams, territory-based teams are working together and sharing capabilities as much as possible. Um, and, you know, it's like the corporate teams need to be thinking about how their message and what they do with their tactics roll out in territory. Mm. And the territory teams need to be providing input and have some control over how things get mm. created at, at, out of headquarters um so i think it's it's uh it's really important that these things are tied together yeah nice well i
0: yeah and i i i don't have uh, I, I mean i agree with you about the corporate and local field marketing difference i mean you're always going to have that if you've got products and solution marketing anyway because that's kind of your central team almost isn't it and then you've got your field marketers and you've got your folks producing all your campaigns but in my instance i've got revenue and retention uh, growth and retention in one team and that so yep. that includes all the digital marketing all the field marketing uh, and, and and what i think you're describing here is revenue marketing so i completely i completely agree with that but again as you say you need to make sure these guys are sticking within the within the guardrails <laughs> of corporate right so yeah i like yeah. that so no, so number one is, so i don't know why i need to reiterate every time we do it <laughs> so we can just
1: move straight on to number four what's number four um, number four is uh, put marketing operations in charge of your infrastructure. You know the process, mm. tech, data, analytics. Um, mm. This is the team that really focuses on efficiency, effective operation, and and you know they 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 more or less are a su- support organization or team mm. of the rest of of marketing. Um, to a certain extent, comms teams can be kind of a support because, again, f- you know, yeah. en- enforcing brand. But you know, it's like if you want your organization to run well, then you need somebody who's thinking about you know the, mm-hmm. the data. Somebody's thinking about the technology. You know, it's 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 um, you know it's just an absolutely necessary key to a good functioning organization. And you also have to make sure they build a tight relationship with sales operations or if there's a product Mm -hmm. operations or, you know, if there's other operations teams Mm -hmm. um, where they need to be making sort of aligned decisions around technology and where data is stored and what systems we're using, what processes, any process Mm -hmm. that runs from, you know, sales to marketing to sales and back again, you know, it's like you got to be able to have those teams work well together. uh, And so really, you know, The people you want in this in this group, you know, they need to be um, analytical. They need to be process thinkers, but they also need to be very uh, diplomatic. Which sometimes it's hard to take. It's hard to take the person who knows how to the ins and outs of your customer database and likes to sit in the back room, you know, in front of the big three big screens, uh, and say, "Okay, now you're in charge of." you know, evaluating and, and, uh, our, our, our technology and creating a roadmap mm. where you got to, now he's got to come out and talk to people. Uh, oh. so, but I think that this is, uh, you know, I it's think, just an th- incredibly important yeah, function within the team.
0: Yeah, I agree. And I also think that, um, there's a flip side of, of that diplomacy almost, because I think that they, they, they can sit there and they can monitor the, um, the campaigns. they can monitor the, the quality of the, the leads that are coming through and and how it's working in sales ops and they can be somewhat um an independent arbiter within the marketing team right because they've got the data right so they can be dispassionate about the fact that whether something's working or not working and and get out of the emotion that can be you know that can I be think, involved with that
1: i think the term you use dispassionate is absolutely yeah. the right the right term because you really need yeah. people who who are going to step back and say, you know, I don't, I don't know. I don't, I don't own that system. I don't own that process, but I need to be able to help my CMO make sure that that process works well.
0: Yeah. Yeah. I have it a little bit at the moment with, um, with my own, uh, guy that runs marketing operations is like, I'm just, I'm just butting up against the data, you know, and you can't, you can't refute it. (laughs) Yeah. 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 No, you're right. Absolutely. The data says so. So, Mind you, there's a whole another um, conversation there, isn't there, about being too data led? But I think that um, I mean, and, I, and I'm quite surprised because you've put marketing ops as number four, and uh, I know I said that these were in no particular order. Exactly, <laughs> I was going to say the same thing. That I, um, I would, uh, I yeah, I, I, I would imagine that when you're building your, your, I, I would imagine Jeff, if you were going into a new team. Um, this is foundational from from your perspective, isn't? Oh yeah, in, in having this right, yeah, yeah, Yeah. absolutely, yeah. That was the team right. I
1: worked on at Serious Decisions Marketing Operations. Yeah. So yeah, i <laughs> It's in my blood somewhere. <laughs> yeah,
0: absolutely, yeah. And we're, um, uh, you know, I, I'm uh, I'm the CMO of a company that's uh, that's inqu- acquisitive, right? So we're always bringing in new systems, new. Yeah, uh, new data sets, new CR, you know, everything. And and this this part of what we do is so important to be able to report up to the rest of the business about what's happening. You know, we have to have that infrastructure in place. So, yeah, key, key, very key. All right. So um, I might do a recap. Let's see. Let's do a quick recap. So number one was uh, product marketing. Number two was build a strong brand team. Number three, integrate corporate digital and field teams. Number four, put marketing ops in charge of your infrastructure.
1: And probably more besides. And number five, (laughs) (laughs) what's number five? Ensure cross uh, collaboration. So, Uh one of the things, and you know, as you and I are running, you know, content marketing uh, programs or campaigns, you know, global campaigns, it's, um, you know, those require a level of, you know, interlock and collaboration that. If everyone's in their silos, running their thing with their own focus, they're mm. they're they're going to either tip the scales in their favor mm. or they're just going to ignore. And so I got my own work to do, but yeah, but you know, yeah. if, if you you know, if your product marketing or solution marketing team does the job of creating a good set of messaging around the needs mm. you provide to the uh, the needs you address in the market, then you should mm. be building campaigns and content to support that, and that, mm. and then that's going to that's going to be contributed to by a variety of these, these teams. It's also going to be executed by a variety of the teams. And so having some way that there's a leader who, uh, who is kind of sits above the teams and, and they would bring in, uh, you know, representatives from each of them and plus maybe a representative from sales or sales enablement Mm -hmm. or products or business units to help execute these more global long-term multi-tactic campaigns. Yeah. Um, you know, and one person may only manage one or two campaigns, maybe two or three. You know, whatever whatever their 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 load can handle, and they may operate using kind of agile methods. You know, where you create short term plans and you execute and you evaluate, and you you know, with the team you make decisions about how are we going to uh, course correct and evolve to make sure we hit goals. So that, you know this requires people that are business savvy, strategic, um, obviously goal oriented, and are uh, Again just so, like in markups very diplomatic
0: yeah, so that's a very specific so I mean the number five ensure cross collaboration is fairly loose, but spe- the specific recommendation here is having campaign managers effectively right is exactly. having people who are then responsible for these, for these projects really and and if, and there,
1: you, and if there are other things that, that, that run across the team you know yeah. like a, um, I mean maybe maybe a broad, a product launch is a campaign in and of itself or maybe yeah. there's you know there are other things um yeah. you know like a, then that's like the a thought leadership marketing. content strategy yeah. or something yeah. like that so um
0: but it's identifying owners of these programs isn't it right and, that, and that's the thing is it that so like you said if it's a product launch then you need a strong product marketer who's going to run the launch across the team if it's a campaign and also just as a reminder uh, with the listeners the definition that you have for a campaign isn't a single email campaign right. drip nurture running out across six instances or something this is like right. our campaign to be known for something or is a much broader thing isn't it yep
1: yep so yeah and yeah. and i think the um you know the uh the other thing i was gonna you know say about um about this is that the people that you have doing this i mean the first four we were talking about are pretty much a functional team Whereas mm-hmm. this is talking about some individuals that Absolutely. may be able to sit in other teams, like I've seen this kind of function sit in marketing ops. I've seen it sit in kind of a global demand yeah. team. I've seen it sit in comms, uh, or be like a project manager or for the CMO himself. You know, kind of sitting by themselves in an org chart. Yeah. So it's um. So this is less a uh a, you know particular org chart function although it could be as it is mm. a capability that you're trying to enable across mm. the the marketing team
0: yeah uh, yeah I, I agree and i i completely agree that they don't necessarily need to sit in a particular team you just you just i think when you create your programs you identify who's the leader of that program don't you for where, yep. wh- whoever and whatever's appropriate and one one of the other things that we've been talking about is also a similar sort of thing, but having like a traffic manager who looks after, you know, all the crazy marketing requests that you get and all of that, all of that stuff. And I think that this is absolutely key because the the challenge with the, with the way that it's the same as the way that I've set up my team is that when you set up these functional disciplines, you can create silos. So if you don't put in this fifth recommendation, that cuts across these silos. That can that can happen, can't it? Correct.
1: Yeah, absolutely.
0: Yeah, yeah. Splendid. So those are your five uh, F in keys to success. I hate to say F and <laughs> keys in, in the keys key of in the key of F. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, talking of keys. See what I did there? What's the uh, what's the song we're going to play out with today? We're Jeff? gonna
1: play. We're gonna go a little further back in time than we normally do, <laughs> and go to "Ain't No Stopping Us Now" from McFadden and Whitehead from 1979. They say mm. we're putting ourselves together, we're polishing up our act. I think that's what we've been talking about.
0: Yeah, I can't. Uh, it's such a classic tune. I cannot deny you that one, Jeff. That's brilliant. Thank you very much. And. Will you be in the studio next week or will I be in your studio? I think,
1: will you be in the studio next week?
0: I think that is the question. Yes, so I'll see you in the studio and, uh, and take care. Cheers, baby. Bye. Bye-bye. There's been so many things that's held us down But now it looks like things are finally coming around
2: I know we've got a long, long way to go And where we'll end up, I don't know but we won't let
0: nothing hold us back. We're putting our show together. We're polishing up our and if you've ever been held down before, I know you refuse to be held down. Anymore. Thank you, Jeff, for a classic tune there. I really enjoyed that conversation, which, you know, is sometimes just an excuse for me to get some free consulting. And if you're looking for some advice on how to build your team, give Jeff a shout. You can contact him through our website, rockstarcmo.com. Right, it's that time of the week to wind down the week in the Rockstar CMO virtual bar with my friend and content marketing guru Robert Rose, chief troublemaker and the content advisory for a cocktail and a marketing thought. I normally record this on Friday evening for me, Friday morning for Robert as he's we're 8 hours difference in time zones, but yesterday client work and fate intervened and at the last minute Robert couldn't make our slot and there was no time to reschedule or bring in a substitute. But I've had a rummage in the archive and pulled this from last year episode 136 which continues the team theme i discussed with jeff this week just now hope you enjoy this conversation good evening Muppets. what are you drinking
2: oh hello my friend and welcome to the bar it is uh it's good to see you here um you know it's Friday. It's been mm-hmm. a long week, yeah, yeah, so we'll true. have a little bit of a celebration of a summer mm-hmm. drink, yes. um, because this week uh, we had a we had a bit of a, a end of summer gathering at our house, and and we ended up having this drink that we'll have tonight, you and I, mm-hmm. called a Paloma, um, right. which is a classic tequila cocktail. Um, it is about as easy to make as it possibly can be, which is simply tequila, a little lime juice and grapefruit uh, juice. Um, and it's just a wonderful thing. So you just literally as taste allows put in a squeeze of lime, uh, a little bit of grapefruit juice, and then your favorite reposado tequila. And you have a very refreshing summer drink. Now, some people like grapefruit soda. In other words, they like it sparkling. I'm not a Mm -hmm. sparkling drink fan Uh for the most part. Um, So I just use grapefruit juice, but you can also use grapefruit soda. Um, And Palomas are so popular that in many cases you can find them in a can, like you can literally find wow. Paloma in a, in a can in your favorite grocery store. So, um, I would not recommend that. I would recommend making it yourself. But uh, but you know, to each his own, as it were. We'll be having yes. them freshly made, custom, well, bespoke, as it
0: because were. we're classy. And talking of bespoke, I shall attempt to make that drink using only the ingredients on my desktop bar. Um, so I'm gonna start off with what I think we've agreed over the 900 weeks we've been doing this, the most English of uh, tequilas, which is going to be some Hendrix gin. Oh, no, hang on a minute. Was there ice in yours? Did you put ice uh, yes. in Yes, oh know?
2: yes, this is a summer drink, so it is, it is chock full of ice.
0: All right, so I've put some ice in that. I should pour in some of this lovely gin. And uh, you said some people like this Paloma sparkling, did you say?
2: They do, yeah. Some people mm. do like it sparkling. I do not, but uh, others do.
0: Oh, oh okay. Well, I'm, instead of the lime juice, I'm going to go with, what have we got here? This is a uh, tonic quarter with, uh, from the ah. lovely people at Fever Tree. And they've, they've put in some cucumber, which we all we both know is the most English of limes. Yes, so, indeed. Uh, let me give this a taste.
2: The most English of limes. Yes. <laughs> there was oh, a joke is there, but Robert. I'm not going to even go close. <laughs> is, it? is
0: it limey? I don't know. Uh, th- yeah. This is this is this is delicious, Robert. What are we calling these?
2: Uh, well, we would call that a paloma uh, if you had tequila or any of the ingredients <laughs> that it requires. Yes.
0: Well, this is delicious, and I could drink one of these every week. And where are we drinking these, Robert?
2: Well, I thought we would celebrate the end of summer, um, by going Mm -hmm. somewhere, uh, you know, tropical and, and, and so, uh, there's a place, um, and in fact, it looks like my wife will actually be traveling there. Um, so I did a little bit of research into it and it's a place called Dominica, uh, which is just off the British Virgin islands actually. Um, and it's its own little country and it's sort of untouched and beautiful and, uh, it's got beaches and whales and very tropical so i figured we could go sit on the beach for one last summer weekend and and hang out on the beach and drink some palomas
0: i love it i love it and what and and what reason would you have for not going if your your wife will be there? that's true beautiful yeah yes it sounds beautiful so um we are enjoying these post-summer drinks and enjoying the last of the summer in this beautiful tropical island conversation turns to marketing as it inevitably does uh what are we talking about this week
2: Well, I thought we'd talk a little bit about strengths and weaknesses. Um, Mm. One of the things that I have been doing with clients of late, especially those that are forming a new content marketing or content strategy team, Mm. uh, is to do a skills audit. And the reason we're doing a skills audit is because we end up in this situation where the team that's being formed isn't net new. In other words, they're not net new people. They are people coming from different parts of the organization. Sometimes it's marketing, sometimes PR, sometimes uh, demand generation. You know, they're coming from different, but they're new as a team, right? So they're new. They have new charters. They have new governance and workflow responsibilities. They have new measurement capabilities and technology sometimes. And so there's a lot of new. We often, it's funny, We in, in business, we often call this change management, but it's really new management for the most part because the skills and the techniques and the approaches for this content strategy and content marketing are mostly net new to most businesses Mm -hmm. and it's a new team doing them. And so what we end up doing is a bit of a skills audit to see where people are, not necessarily to identify their weaknesses, but in many cases to identify the strengths that they have so that we can see where they might focus first as a team in order to get some real ground movement before we start focusing in on, okay, where do they need to close gaps, either with new resources or new training or new skills that they need to develop. and. There's actually a a great deal of thinking that's done on this. Um, There's a wonderful book called Strengths-Based Leadership, um, Mm -hmm. which was written uh, probably 20 years ago um, from the folks from the Gallup uh, organization, and they did a 30-year research project on how to invest deeply into the talents and strengths and minimize the effects of a weakness of a team, and that's the approach. But... Conversely, there are a lot of people who think that, you know, focusing solely on strengths has its pitfalls. And there is uh, uh, some Harvard Business Review uh, articles about this, which is thinking that, you know, if you get wrapped up around strengths, well, there are a lot of weaknesses which are actually just overdeveloped strengths. A great Mm -hmm. example of that is you might have a really politically astute team leader. But that team leader actually might be quite manipulative as a boss. And so you want to, you know, focusing on, for example, the speed or the creativity of an in-house design team. They're like, oh my gosh, they're so amazing. They're fast and they're creative and we love them. But you might lean so heavily into that strength that all of a sudden now they're overworked and and considered yeah. idiosyncratic in their behavior. And they're, you know, <laughs> basically they're just ornery, right? Because um, yeah. they're so overworked. And so deciding on whether to focus on strengths or weaknesses is not just an easy decision, but what I find is for new content teams, especially where they're doing so much new things, uh, it's good to focus on the strengths because when we focus on the weaknesses or what they have to, you know, shore up, it can lead to a perception that it's not working like the content or the marketing or the content strategy isn't working because they're trying so hard to get good at something that they're not good at, that Mm. they haven't actually exploited all the things that they are good at, and it creates this initial impression that the strategy isn't working. And so focusing on those strengths can be a great way to actually build in the muscle that you need for content strategy and then focus in on where we need to shore up some of the things it's a nice way to phase in some of these new activities that the content team is going to have to really take on but also acknowledge that there are things that we're not going to do literally acknowledging publicly we are not going to do this because we don't know how to do it or we're not good at it yet
0: right right that's interesting is it because uh, a few thoughts popped into my head there around that and one of those is i was thinking this was probably um you know a good exercise with a content team or, or with a multidisciplinary team like that is because you'll find the team tends to lean towards what they know or what they're good at right so I think in the past we've talked about this where we've talked about oh we do, we always do this function or we always produce these papers or this kind of content because they're in the habit and that's where their strength fits right whereas it might be that I don't know research isn't partic- you know they don't have anybody who's particularly good at research and so they don't um, so I think that's interesting, isn't it? Because then you can kind of detect a bias maybe in, in the work that people are doing based on those strengths. Is that is that what you see with these teams?
2: Yeah, well, it's you, what yeah. I see is is that it's, it's a place to carve out your initial spot, mm. right? Mm-hmm. In other words, in many cases, when we make the business case for a content marketing team or a content mm-hmm. strategy team or both, by the mm-hmm. way, um, yeah. the business case we make can be based on things that the team won't initially be good at. And, and so, so a, a common one, for example, might be content reuse, uh, translation and localization for the global, you know, the global organization, right? Yeah. And we say, if we can create a team that creates content and creates an efficient process and reuse and repackaging, uh, idea and really get into translation and globalization, then we'll save the company money and we'll be more efficient and we'll have time to do higher quality content. That becomes the business case, right? However, the new team that's being associated with that might not be very good at translation and localization to begin with. Yeah, yeah. And so focusing in on that core benefit of the business case can often be a mistake because you end up in a situation where you're over promising and under delivering And, mm-hmm. and so, commonly what we would say is let's carve out all of the responsibilities the you know the the superset of responsibilities that content strategy and content marketing want to take on right you know for example building a blog or Mm -hmm. building a resource center the team might not be good at that yet but it might be good at writing and it might be good at creating really creative ideas and it might be good at something else and so looking Before you, you know, after you've made the business case holistically, but before you put together the roadmap of telling the bosses or whoever it's going to be, what you're going to do, doing that skills audit and wrapping your roadmap, certainly for the initial phases around the strengths of the team that come out of that skills audit so that you can actually get that traction that you really need. But acknowledging that, of course, we're going to add this or not add this or whatever it is as we shore up the different weaknesses that we have. But focusing on strengths first.
0: Right, right. And then um, I think that's interesting because um, that was the next thing I was going to ask you about is then do you then have a model for what are the things that you need in an an optimal content strategy, content marketing team that you then – I mean, I like this idea that you're saying is that – in an ideal world, this is what your content strategy and content marketing should look like. It'll do these things. But when we That's do the right. skills audit, we can see, okay, so we haven't got the skills. Let's say that the normal process to do A, B, C, D. We've got the skills in-house at the moment to do a lot of C and D. So let's pull them things forward and do those while we work on getting those other things in place. Is that the sort of thing you're saying here? So there's a model that you can implement, but it needs to be done within the strengths and weaknesses of that team that, that you're coming up with.
2: That's right. That's right. Yeah. Yeah. And, and, and we actually do have a model that we work from for sure. Um, in terms of, you know, we have what we call our six core responsibilities of a content team. Mm -hmm. And within each one of those six responsibilities are obviously skills and capabilities that you need, which are, you know, people skills, process skills and technology skills to, to, to make those each of those responsibilities you know a a core capability but once you've explored that then it's 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 wrapping your roadmap around which of those six and which within those six you're going to take on and how you're going to take it on and roll it out and that's that's the benefit of doing that work is really you know not just saying yay we've got a content team let's go right let's take it all on and 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 it just it doesn't work very well
0: yeah especially as it's i mean The first time i put together a content team and you were there because you helped and you were consulting when i went back back in the day um i was basically given a a kind of a hodgepodge of and i hope none of them listening and feel this is is in any way an insult because it was a wonderful little team but they came from different parts of marketing and because content marketing was was a fairly new discipline so therefore you know they had a different set they had a different skill set which wasn't you know which wasn't content marketing. So I had somebody who was really good at editing, I had a had a writer, but I had to discover those things. You see what I mean? And the, and I think is that still the case with content marketing? Because it's it's still a new unit within marketing that people are putting together. These people are coming from different parts of of marketing and so you need to kind of there's always going to be some development that needs to be done
2: yeah i think well (laughs) right it's always evolving right it's never (laughs) done yeah you know what i mean it's it's always changing and it's always evolving and and that's one of the things right i mean it's you know i mean this is marketing you know really um where the needs the skills and the uh, and everything changes yeah and so You know, content may actually have more change than most. Um, mm-hmm. And the change may be more rapid than most other functional areas. But ultimately, you're absolutely right. It's a, it's a process. Um, and, you know, I mean, I, we've talked about it on this show before where yeah. today's world for content strategies, especially, it's much less important to understand what you're changing into and mm-hmm. develop the strength to just change full stop. Right. Um, right. Because in many cases, Mm -hmm. you don't know what you're changing into. You just have to have the ability, you know, the strength is not understanding Mm -hmm. what we're trying to transform into. The strength is the ability to change into whatever we need to. Mm -hmm.
0: Yeah. And also I was thinking while you were talking there is that if you find strengths in a team, like say, like they're very good at um, video, for example, and there's a videographer on the the team, then the solution to every problem is a video. (laughs) You get that kind of, well, well,
2: (laughs) exactly, precisely. Right. You often, you know, I mean, and that, by the way, that is, that is one of the pitfalls, right. That, Mm -hmm. that, you know, that's that overdeveloped strength becomes a weakness, right. Where, you know, you've got, you know, everybody on the team just happens to be amazing at video. Now all yeah. of a sudden the the entire world, you know, is your yeah. video nail and the, and all you yeah. need is a hammer. Right. Yeah. And, yeah. and so, yeah. you know, we need to acknowledge that some, you know, we need to have the awareness to be able to acknowledge that. Yes, we may be, you know, we may not choose, but by the way, the team that we get, you know, it's, it's almost like the Magnificent Seven, right? You know, you're, yes. you're pulling yeah, together yeah. this ragtag yeah. team of people from all yeah. sorts of backgrounds. And, yeah. you know, coincidentally, you're all great gunfighters, but that doesn't mean everything has to be a gunfight.
1: <laughs> yeah. Yeah.
0: Honestly. Yeah. I mean, yeah, I was going to say the good, bad and the ugly, and I really shouldn't have, again, in case any in my team from way back then decade over a decade ago we're listening but it was it was a bit like that you know it was it was absolutely like the Magnificent Seven much better analogy so that's fantastic thank you very much Robert so we've got to look at our strengths and weaknesses and if one was to evaluate the how am I going to make this segue uh the strengths and weaknesses <laughs> of their content say like against an example of some great content marketing where would they find that Robert's
2: Oh, they're not going to find it with me, that's for sure. I, 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 yeah. <laughs> yeah. What would um, they find no, with you? No, we, we, we have our little uh, our little wall of content built over mm-hmm. at contentadvisory.net and would love to connect with everybody. Blended.
0: And also I'll include a link to that book you talked about, Strengths-Based Leadership by Gallup. So there it is. In the links. All right. Thank you very much, Robert. And most importantly and selfishly for me, will I see you in the bar next week? Well, of course, yes, absolutely. Thank you, Thank you very much,
1: mate. I'll see you then.
0: Thank you, Robert. Hopefully, we'll be back to our normal service of serving fresh cocktails and fresh content next week. So, that's a wrap on episode 186 of the Rockstar CMO F-ing Marketing Podcast. I've been your host, Ian Truscott. Thanks to Jeff and Robert for sharing their insights and to you for dropping a dime into your podcasting jukebox, selecting our track and jiving along with us. You can find all of our links and the things we discussed in the show notes on rockstarcmo.com along with our blog, newsletter and all of our previous episodes. And please let us know what you think via the socials, drop us a rating or review in your favourite podcast app or just keep listening. I'm glad you're here. Next week, we'll have a bit of a content management special as I'll be chatting to Jeff about the five challenges he's seen with his clients. And Robert will be back in the bar sharing his content marketing advice. And until then, have a great week. And I hope you again join us here next week at Rockstar CMO FM.